Larson, and I lead uh, a wonderful church in Kansas City, Missouri, Jesus Church International, and I have the pleasure of being part of the NCMI team. And uh, it's my joy today to speak to you on a subject that's kind of gigantic on a number of levels, and I hope to make uh, sense out of it and to make it really useful to us uh, as we go through this. Today, I I'd like to share with you on the subject of moving forward and doing that with a God-given vision. Vision is everything for God's people, especially for the leaders of God's people. Without vision, we just go nowhere. Or if we try to chase someone else's vision, we, ended up, we end up in frustration and we just don't have the grace to do that thing. And often that's what happens in churches and as well as individual lives. So today I want to look at moving forward and I want to talk about vision-centered uh, living, which is uh, I think a gigantic theme, and it's been a life-changing idea for me uh, in particular. A number of years ago, I had the pleasure of going to Seoul, Korea, to Yonggi Cho's church, the largest church in the history of Christianity. And in that visit, I went to a place called Prayer and Fasting Mountain, which is on the demilitarized zone of between North and South Korea. And uh, it's a, just a place of prayer and fasting. And I went there specifically on a vision quest for my church that I was leading in San Diego at the time. And uh, basically, I locked myself into, uh, they have, have like prayer grottos, which were really tombs that they'd set aside just to climb into and pray until you got the answers that you needed. And, and I spent a number of hours in that place just praying and seeking God for the vision uh, that he wanted me to propel our church forward with in San Diego. And I, I just want to say that was a life-changing thing for me. And a lot of what I did during that time is I just prayed a lot in my prayer language. I prayed in tongues. I, I sang in the spirit and I listened. Always that prophetic ear, Lord, what do you want to say to me? But also at the same time, praying with my spirit. And when you pray with your spirit, it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak things into your spirit and then project them into your understanding. And that's where a lot of vision comes from. I'm just saying in a practical way to start with this morning. So uh, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else. That's the old saying, and I think that's true. And Proverbs 29:18 is the classic verse in this direction. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's King James. It's actually a very poor translation of the uh, original meaning, the Hebrew words. And Proverbs 29:18 in ESV says it very close to uh, the actual Hebrew. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Great, great scripture. Uh, without a clear prophetic vision that drives anything, particularly a ministry, individual lives, how we do our businesses, everything else, a God-given prophetic vision that we have, people end up casting off restraint. That means each of us ends up doing whatever just seems reasonable, whatever seems right. Maybe what other people are doing seems reasonable. So the, the difference between the two is, one is God's vision that gives us laser focus and clarity. 
The other is like diffused light that isn't particularly helpful on any level. And so we have to be careful not to pick up other people's vision, but to wrestle with God until we get clarity on this in our own lives. Uh, nothing is built in our lives without vision. Uh, I love what Paul says, and this is a, a real warning to us, I think, in the church. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, you're still worldly since there's jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not still worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Now, that's the ultimate put down for a believer, that we're acting just like mere men, mere people. That is, we're taking our cues from the wisdom and the thinking and the processes that the world defines everything by, instead of listening for the voice of God to give us clarity and direction. And so I just want to skip ahead and I want to give a lot of content really quickly here in our 30-minute slot. What does a God-given vision for your life look like? Because a lot of people don't really have clarity on that. Well, number one, it has a has an image of the future. It's future focused. Whatever God gives us has a future edge attached to it. Number two, it's idealistic. It's a great dream of good. And it's really something that lights your fire, I guess you could say. Number three, it's appropriate for the times. It fits now where you're at and on into the future from there. So it fits the times. We don't live in a past vision. We need a now and a future vision. Number four, uh, it, it gives clear purpose and direction. It's not fuzzy thinking, not fuzzy. It's very clear and purposeful. Number five, it inspires enthusiasm in us and in others and commitment that you want to give your life to this thing. Number six, it's easily understood, simple truth. Uh, it should be, you know, some people's vision statements are really confusing and convoluted. And, and I say, you know, a vision statement should really make simple sense so that you don't have to spend a half an hour explaining it, right? Uh, number, uh, number seven, it's uniqueness attached to it, a sense of uniqueness. It stands out. It's memorable. Number eight, it's ambitious. And by that, I mean it's big. It's way too big for you to possibly do it without God making it work. If what you're doing is that small that you can actually pull it off, then it's probably another vision from God. Number nine, it's shared and shareable. It can be shared with others. It's infectious. There's something about it that's contagious. Number 10, it encompasses the world. It's aimed at the world and impacting the world and changing the world with everything from God. Folks, the world is our cup of tea. And any vision, especially for a church that doesn't have the whole world as your cup of tea, misses the mark. So why do we need God's vision to move forward in life? Well, Number one, the, the Proverbs 29, 18 dynamic, where I said there, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. You've heard that we, we perish without vision. Well, it, it's a lot more than that. It, it's like we revert to being mere people figuring things out. And that's why I said, again, you cannot grab another person's vision and vision statement and make it your own. It's got to be something that's been put into your heart by God. And maybe you get some cues and some clues from other people's stuff. But you try to do another man's vision, you're frustrated, you're not fulfilled, and you're fruitless. Those three things happen by trying to embrace another person's vision. So uh, with it, 
we will prosper without it. We will perish and we end up doing whatever makes sense. And it might just whatever makes sense to the rest of your team, whatever makes sense to other people in the church. I don't I don't need to roll that way. And I can't roll that way, especially if I'm leading a church. I have to hear from God. And then I bring that to the team. And but I can't sort of negotiate whether a vision is going what a vision is going to be. That's I think that's really a dangerous thing to begin to do. Number two, God gives us vision because he sees the hard road that lies ahead. I love this little cartoon of what we think the road ahead should look like. And it's like me, you know, biking along, la, 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 on my little path, thinking it should be straight, and there's the goal. But in reality, God's plan is a whole lot of stuff in the road, ups and downs, uh, you know, dangers to cross and storms and everything else. That's the reality of it. So how do you get through that? Well, vision that you get from God helps to propel you through the reality, which is this is much harder than we thought it would be. So let's talk about how God moves us forward. First off, let me just say God speaks to you and you act even though it's risky to you on some level or other. I, I've yet to do anything that God has spoken without some risk involved. I think that's the way you spell faith. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk, and no risk in it. That is, I can't see for sure, but I've got to step in that way, that direction anyway. That's the nature of faith. This is about you becoming an active listener for the voice of God. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I think the one thing we've got going for us uh, as believers in this, this age that is filled with the Spirit and driven by the Holy Spirit is that God speaks and we're able to hear him and get his marching orders and do what we do, not as mere men, but as God directs and leads us. I think that's a lot of the point of the book of Acts, that we have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we are, everything seems to click in the direction it needs to click. So he speaks in a multitude of ways, uh, but most often, if we just give him a chance to speak to us, just let him speak to you through the still small voice. I, you know, I, I cultivated the discipline of just waiting on the Lord, just sitting in his presence and playing my guitar a bit, worshiping the Lord, uh, praying in uh, tongues, praying in my prayer language, uh, singing in the spirit, singing with my understanding, praying what comes into my heart. And in the process of that, I receive all kinds of you know, flashes of information from the Lord. How do you know that's God? Well, you're there waiting to hear from God. The devil isn't going to slip you a mickey. I mean, it's God there to speak to you. And you test it with the word, of course. But the truth is, if you give him half a chance, he will give you everything you need for marching orders for the days ahead. And I know right now in Canada, it's a pressing season. Then you're locked up and you feel like, wow, it seems like the gospel is even bound. But you know better than that. And God certainly does. And I just say, now is the season for you to really listen for the voice of God. 
not just wait around for things to open up so you can go back to doing everything that you did before. If that's your mindset, I want to say that's a dangerous mindset because you cannot go back to what it was before. I will guarantee you, and this is not a prophecy, this is reality. We've experienced it in every church I've talked to in America's experiences. Once they open up things from a lockdown, you'll find there are a bunch of people that don't want to come back to church again. And where is my church is going to be a question. So you've got to get fresh vision now and to be ready for this because when it comes, it can slam you hard and you take it personally. But know what God has wired you for and what he wants you to do, what you have now that you want to take with you into the future and what you need to leave behind. That's really critical right now at this stage. So uh, when we're born again, of course, the spirit comes into us and he creates this incredible capacity to hear from him. And again, the dynamic of hearing from the Lord is the Holy Spirit lives in me. And now my born again spirit has the capacity to hear God and to know the voice of God. And he lives, that lives in me too. My spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit's within me. He, the spirit speaks to my spirit and my spirit paints pictures onto my understanding, the screen of my mind the eyes of my heart to be enlightened that I might know the things of God. So he's able to project his thoughts then onto my understanding. And from that, I've got action plan for my ministry and for my life. So remember, that's the dynamic of this. That's why waiting on God in this season is not sitting around doing nothing. It's active listening. And, and I encourage you, this is the time to actively listen so that he can give you new strategies new marching orders, and take you into the future brilliantly. All right. So I love that. We could spend a lot of time on this, and obviously we don't. But Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So Abraham heard God's voice. He left his land. He left his family, his friends, his relational support systems, his financial support base to follow God out into, I'll tell you when you get there, the great unknown. And if that doesn't describe the Christian life more, you know, we, we often just don't know where we're going, but we know we're following God. And when we start to follow God, then things start to make sense. And so when he got to God's destination, God spoke to Abraham again and said, you're going to be the father of a multitude so great that no one will be able to count them. Abraham, your offspring are going to be countless. Now, everything that God speaks to us requires actions that are risky for us for anything to change. And I want to just enforce that right now in the season. Now is a season for you. You think you can't do much. You can't do much until the ban on, on meeting is lifted. Uh, now's the time for you to be hearing from God what steps need to be taken and that you begin to move toward that. God's words require we move toward what he said. That's the obedience of faith. Faith generates an obedience that moves us forward in line with what God is saying. So in Abraham's case, vision required that he stop living like a mere man and waiting around for the great social security system of his day, family and everybody taking care of him, his culture systems of support. And he had to risk letting all of that go. And as he did, God spoke. 
God spoke more and God speaks again. Notice in verse two, God gives vision that benefits you, but it's not just about you or your, your family. Uh, it's to be a blessing to the nations. And, and I want to say this is a characteristic of whatever vision God puts us. That's why NCMI is so delightful is that the vision is not about us. Us gets benefited. We get benefited. But the real blessing of this is that we become a blessing to the nations. So God's vision is bigger than you having a raging, raging successful business on your own. Uh, it's wonderful. He loves to get us there, especially if you have a business and you want it to thrive. But if all it is is about you being successful in your business, you've missed the point of what God gives vision for. He gives a vision for your business that will help you become a financial factor, a change agent for the advancement of the gospel into the nations. If you fail to see that, you'll just get fat and sassy with what you've got. God has you uh, to bless. He wants to bless you and he wants to bless you, the nations through you. Remember that always, and his vision always does that. And by the way, while I was at Cho's church, one of the things they did is they had they had this group of millionaires. They called the millionaires. They had a millionaires choir. I don't know what millions is in uh, in Korean, you know, currency. But uh, one of the things that they did is every year they encouraged every business person to go to Pern Fasting Mountain for one or two weeks and just basically pray and fast about the future of their business. And in that, they got wisdom and revelation from God as to how to run their business. But don't forget, their heart was to advance the mission of Jesus Christ through their mission to their uh, business. So keep that in your heart and just see what God does. It may just be a mind blower for you. Now, let me briefly say this. If we're honest about it, sometimes we behave like mere men and we just get our ideas. Uh, instead of getting some ideas from God, we get some ideas and then we act on it and we become a little successful and we stop there. You get to enjoy what God does in your life. But if all you do is enjoy what God's given you and not see it, as something that he intends to bless the nations with. He wants to use your affluence for his influence. Never forget that, my friends. So how does God move us forward? So God speaks, you act, you move, even though it's risky to you. And number two, as you act on what God says, he gives you even more vision, clarity, and direction. Now, we don't have time to go through all of uh, Genesis 15, 1 through 6 here, but I'd encourage you to read this. But down in verse 5, it says, He brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and the number of the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. He had to believe what God showed him. But what I'm saying, I just want to say this. Sometimes we get frustrated and it seems like we just don't have much vision or direction from God. The detail isn't there and we aren't compelled to step out. And here's just a good word to us. It's a very simple truth. God doesn't waste a lot of words. I believe he's talking all the time, but he doesn't waste words with people that won't listen and won't act upon those words. What he speaks to you, he expects that you're going to trust him enough to risk and step out in faith, the obedience that comes from faith, the obedience of faith, and he doesn't waste words with people that don't believe him what he shows enough to do that. And I say, if you're frustrated right now, the simple act 
is to look, look back a little bit and remember what God has spoken to you in the past. And if you're acting on that, you're probably in good shape. But if you ha have missed following what God has clearly spoken for you to say, and I use this, this simple illustration, God speaks to people to tithe and, and then they don't tithe. And, and then they wonder why, you know, they're not hearing a whole lot. It isn't just about the, the act of tithing. It's about doing what the Lord says. Friends, our ability to know and to hear what God is saying and to lead us into the next steps is really built on the fact that we have walked in the obedience of faith and that we're acting on what God's already spoken to us. So uh, Jesus' commandments aren't suggestions. Pick and choose what you feel like. God's word requires obedient actions of faith. This has got to be one of my favorite verses. Romans 1.5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, he says, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his names among all the Gentiles. I, I am a total grace guy. I, I would love to just, just teach and teach nothing but the grace of God. But if you don't understand, the grace of God leads us to actions that are obedience, obedience generated from faith. Not out of, you know, I need to work in order to make something happen. It's an obedience generated by faith. And that's the Christian life. And when we step into what he says, things happen. Paul said in Acts 26, 19, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem. So he's, he's basically saying, he says, I, I got this vision from God. And I was not disobedient to it. I acted on it and acted in the direction of it. Let me remind us of how prophetic words are meant to work. Prophetic works, words that we get are not automatically guaranteed this is going to happen. I think what they are more than anything is a, is a de declaration of God's heart and intention for us and also an invitation for us to begin to press in and move into that direction make steps toward this and see what God does. If we just sit around and wait for something to happen to us, we're not living in faith, we're living in passivity. Right now, the danger in Canada is becoming passive, waiting for something to happen instead of moving aggressively in faith forward. Praying, I think right now is the time to push every door you can possibly push open through faith. That's what Paul did, and through prayer, I mean, that is. Uh, he. He, he just encouraged the people to pray for him that a door would open to him, a door of witness and testimony. And he's reaching, the, you know, the Roman Empire from a prison cell in Rome. That's incredible. There is no imprisonment with God. The imprisonment is in your mind. And we must stay spiritually aggressive during these down seasons. Otherwise, we miss out on great opportunities. So here's the great truth for us. If your life and your future is a bit fuzzy and unclear, uh, go back to what God last told you to do. Did he tell you to do something and you just didn't act on it? It's not about, you know, did, was I obedient enough? Listen, it's just about making sure we treasure what God says to us enough that we act on it and we don't set it aside and we don't let it go to sleep because the circumstances around us beat it out of us. Don't let that happen in your life. So, uh, folks, moving forward now, 
uh, and in the future is wrapped up in this. I really believe that. Now, you can't face the wrong direction in life and expect forward advancement. I mean, this is like a no-brainer, and I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, but just maybe by means of a reminder here uh, of something that's very simple. How do we position ourselves to move forward? I, I think if you just do what I said at the very beginning and just lock yourself up and pray, and I, it may be as simple as this, and maybe nobody's told you this before. When I don't know what to do next, what do I do? Often all I will do is lock myself up in a room and I'll pray in my prayer language until suddenly I know what to do next. And I think it's about the Holy Spirit wrestling with my spirit and getting through to the screen of my mind and understanding what he wants to communicate. And I, I say, if you would do that in this season, you may be surprised what he's able to work out of you. I've told people who've been incredibly depressed and discouraged. I'm not talking about physiological, you know, chemical imbalances and that kind of stuff. But I'm saying, I, you know, I get so down and bummed and I don't know what to do next. Just do that. And see what happens, what God breaks through in your life. Be a supernatural man and woman of God, folks. That's what he's leading us to. So uh, positioning yourself to move forward. Number one, forget the past and never look back. This should be such a no-brainer to us. Philippians 3, uh, 13, the second half of the verse through 15. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. So this is a maturity issue. If you're smart and you're mature, then you forget what lies behind and stop living there, all right? Now, forget what lies behind because where you've been isn't anywhere near as important as, as the fact uh, that he's leading you to something ahead. Where you've been isn't as important as where you're going. Folks, that's so simple and so true. Runner language, if you are a runner, having interest in the path ahead of you and, and leading to the finish line, that's how you live this life ahead. So don't use this down, this down season where uh, the law says you can't have church up in Canada. Uh, big deal. Uh, don't spend your time having an introspective, navel-gazing, you know, tailspin of self-analysis and loathing and trying to figure out all the past. It's not the time to be doing that. It's the time to be saying, Lord, what are you about to do? And help me see it so that I can step into it and do it in a run when it comes to that opportunity. So anyway, what you do with the past is mission critical to the future, uh, your future forward in life, really. You can't live in regrets and attempt to recapture anything that you had before or what was. Otherwise, it will you become a prisoner of that, not just a prisoner of a lockdown, right? Two kinds of monuments in life. A or Number one is the pillar of salt. And that's like Lot's wife. Remember, she looked back longingly at the city she was leaving and she turned to a pillar of salt. So that's the first monument. The second monument is a stone of memorial. That is recalling the great works of God that prep you in faith and fill you with faith and expectation for a great future work ahead. Keep those kinds of monuments in your heart because they're designed to give you faith for the spring forward. Number two, positioning yourself for a move forward, push forward with all of your strength. Uh, this is a time where we feel most weak, most vulnerable because we just can't do what we wanna do. 
right? That's the lockdown mindset. I've been there. I know that feeling. It's frustrating, especially when you're go you have this gopher attitude, not a gophers, uh, but you just want to go for it kind of a person. Uh, Philippians 13b, the second part of this verse, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So you strain forward. Number one is, I mean, it's not a number. I just, I'm kind of ones and twosies. I don't know. <laughs> you strain. The, I like the notion of this. Well, well I don't want to, you know, it's like straining and doing works. No, it's the idea of God has given you strength. He's given you a mind. He's given you capacity. And you use all that you are and you strain forward in a concentrated way. It is a labor, but it's the labor of the work of God. And some are so afraid they'll you know, hurt a muscle or something, they never grow the muscle for lack of exercise. Folks, keep straining forward. And right now you can't see where you're straining forward to, but it's not back where you were. It's only forward. And the second part of this is you strain forward. That's intentionally leaning your body forward in the direction of the destination you want. And, and I think you need to be thinking about that. Those of you lead churches, that you intentionally lean your body of believers forward in the direction of the destination. Keep their minds and their hearts full of it. Keep them with a clear vision of what we're going to do, where we're headed, how this is going to work out. And, and they, we aren't living just for the future. We're living now as full witnesses in the place we have. Paul reached so many while in prison. I think there are so many around you right now that you can reach while in prison. And so don't miss that opportunity. Number three, positioning yourself to move forward. Always keep Jesus' rewards in focus. A constant Jesus focus. An eternal mindset, living for eternal rewards. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Christ is our focus. His Christ rewards that we keep in our heart and our, and our imagination, which is really a key to faith. We occupy our imagination in this season, not with other things, not with negative things, but on the things of God. And let that happen because faith comes from that. God give, God's given you an imagination. He says to Abraham, look at the stars and just picture this. Picture what I'm going to do in multiplying you. God gave you that capacity, friends. Keep focused on that. Number four, fight for and insist on living a spirit-filled life. This may be some of the most important piece of this. Something you know, but something we've got to keep in focus in this season. Your movement to a thriving future is nothing but a battle zone. And if you don't push to be filled with the Holy Spirit... Why do you have to push to be filled with the Spirit, to be continually filled with the Spirit? Because everything around you circumstantially is a big pinprick to deflate your fullness. Folks, if you don't understand that, you'll find yourself flapping as a deflated balloon in the wind instead of being absolutely filled and empowered with the Spirit because as you're full of the Spirit, whole lots of things happen in our lives. If you don't push to be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, you'll always be reverting to being a mere man in your thinking. 
you will be limited to mere man wisdom and power. And that is the death of biblical Christianity. Uh, verse uh, 518, do not get drunk with wine. That's debauchery, but be filled be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Live your life in this season under the influence of the Spirit. Just do the disciplines you know to do until you're so full of the Spirit, you feel like you're just going to burst. And folks, I think that's an okay place to be in because in that place, a whole lot of good happens. Why is it important for moving forward? And I wrap up with these last couple of points. God's dreams and vision give us what we need to move forward. They're made real to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. And if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, listening for his voice, we may miss the great dream, the great painting of our imaginations to create faith that he wants to put into us. Acts 2, 16 through 18, you know that verse. He's pouring out his spirit and you will, your daughters and your sons will prophesy. You're old, you'll see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's the language of the spirit. Those things come from the fullness of the spirit. He gives dreams. He gives visions to captivate our imagination. So with the hope for a better future and the faith we need to start moving in that direction. Letter B, boldness to push forward in the face of difficult circumstances is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you have lost boldness, you get boldness by being filled afresh with the Spirit. The boldness to act, the boldness to not cower and be intimidated because of the laws and the rules and the regulations and the threats that are always raised against you. Listen, the only way we overcome that is by the fullness of the Spirit. Uh, Acts 4.31, when they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the result continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Letter C, the fullness of the Spirit fills your core with God's love. Uh, and this is uh, Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Uh, listen, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And one of the things he does is he fills us with the supernatural love of God. And that is do or die in the season that we're in now and on into the future. God's love in your core kills the fear that kills forward motion. Let me say that again. God's love created by the fullness of the Spirit in us kills the fear that kills our forward movement. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment, the fear that the, there's something bad coming at us from God. He's not really for us. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So I, I just end with this. Folks, Now's the season to wait on the Lord while you're pushing forward to speak to every nook and cranny that you can speak to of the gospel, to paint a picture in the hearts and the imaginations of your people that God has a great now and future in store for you and for me, and that we can press into this together, and that this is what we need to captivate our imaginations with right now. The world is captivating the imaginations of God's people with everything but this. Folks, now's the time to get God's dreams and visions fresh. Walk in the fullness of the Spirit. 
Get alone with God until you're so full you're bursting and then do it again and do it again and do it again because in that context, God speaks well and you'll know what to do next. God bless you. I just want to end with a prayer. Father, let the truth of this, of your word, sink deeply into us and liberate captives. Though we're captive by law, we are not captive in this gospel. Lord, what is what we are designed to be is meant to be free and penetrating and taking over our culture. And Lord, prepare us for great launches now and in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.